And now. And now. It's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal. Because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees. And Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah! Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny Yee. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s. We grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we, we play, play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We are your hosts. This is Aaron Savage. With me, as always, my partner in crime, Master of Ceremonies, Mr. Jason Voorhees. What's up, brother? Hell yeah, brother. What's up? Not much, man. First and foremost, I want to thank our newest sponsor, um, La Terrain Luxury Watches. You can visit their website at la-t-o-u-r-a-i-n-e.com. Enter promo code S and M. That's S N the letter N. It's S the letter N M S and M as in sports and metal. Enter the promo code S and M and receive 10% off your purchase. Beautiful watches. Check them out. Lotterine.com. Lotterine luxury watches brought to you by sports and metal. That being said, first and foremost, I want to say a very special happy birthday to the metal God himself. 70 years young, Rob Halford. Happy birthday, Rob. I know you're pumped for Rob Halford's 70th, Jay. Fuck it, hey, man. He's the reason we're here. <laughs> yeah, and, and on, a, on a more somber note, 10 years his senior, um, legendary Rolling Stones drummer, uh, 80 years old, just, you know, announced he was not going to be on the Stones tour. Uh, for an un- I mean, maybe it was disclosed. As far as I know, it was an undisclosed ailment. He needed a surgery, I believe. They said the surgery went well. But Charlie Watts has passed away. Legendary Rolling Stones drummer, rest in peace. You know, I know, Jay, you're not as big of a Stones fan as I am. I mean, I'm a huge, huge Stones fan. I know they're not metal, they're rock and roll, but most of the bands that I'm into and myself were directly influenced by the Stones. I mean, when you think of Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses, I mean, even like glam bands like Hanwai, Hanwai Rocks had a Stones influence to them. Uh, my, the punk bands I like, like Social Distortion, Stonesy, so much of the music that I'm into, that like my style of music is totally influenced by that rock and roll that the Stones made famous, that dirty, gritty, you know, sleazy rock and roll. And um, it, it's 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 a sad day in rock and roll. It's never going to be the same without Charlie behind the kit for the Stones. So rest in peace, Charlie Watts. Um, very, very big loss. Um, on another note, dude, moving on. <laughs> the biggest subject we got this week. I don't know what you're looking at over there. <laughs> I don't know what the heck just happened. My computer went unplugged or something. Anyway, um, Nirvana. I'm sure you're aware of what's going on there. I I am, and I, I don't I, I don't totally understand where this came from. Like, you know, obviously. 
iconic album cover, probably one of the most iconic, you know, album covers that around. I mean, the little baby naked in the swimming pool. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't understand what's going on here, man. Cause I know you're bad. I know you're probably going to go off, but, but I, I want to hear what your thoughts are. Oh, dude. Okay. Everybody knows the Nirvana Nevermind album cover, the, the baby naked underwater in the pool, the fishing line in the pool with the hook, with the dollar bill. You know, to me, it's always been a really artful statement, you know, um, you could interpret it in many ways. I always kind of interpreted it as like from birth, we're chasing the almighty dollar. In a sense, we're all sellouts. I kind of always interpreted it that way. Anyway, the baby on the in the picture, Spencer Eldon, now a grown man. I believe he's 30 now. Dude, he's been famous for years for having been the baby on this album cover. He's milked that fame. I mean, for like the 15th year anniversary of the Nevermind record, 20th, 25th, and so on. He basically, re well, he didn't basically, he did recreate the photo underwater. As you know, as an adult, making money from it, making notoriety, milking it for all of its worth. Um, and now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you know, just riding the coattails of Me Too, everybody's suing everybody. Here he is coming out of nowhere, filing a lawsuit against Nirvana, their management. I think 15 people are named in the suit, including David Grohl, Chris Novoselic, Courtney Love even, because she obviously represents Kurt Cobain's estate. Uh, he's, he's suing them for $150,000 a piece. I think there's like 15, 16 people named in the lawsuit. So you're talking a couple million dollars here. Dude, I could almost understand if he wanted to follow this, file this lawsuit because he was like, hey, you guys made a fortune off of my image and I think I deserved more. I was a baby. I didn't really have say in it. I could maybe respect it if that was the approach he took. But to use the... Basically, what he's saying is that the picture is sexually exploitive. And here's the thing. In, in U.S. law, a nude baby is not considered sexual. It's, it's, there's nothing illegal about that, unless it's obviously like child pornography. But just a nude image of an infant is not considered sexually explicit material per U.S. law. But his lawyer is stating that because the dollar bill is in the picture that that's implying that he's selling, they're selling the baby for sex or something like that. So it's sexually exploited. Meanwhile, this guy milked us for all it was worth his entire life. He was always there recreating the photo. Now, all of a sudden this, like I said, this is totally riding the coattails of the Me Too movement, riding the gravy train, trying all of a sudden now to, to milk it for everything. It's, it's a bad look and it's disgusting. And it's, it's something's got to change in this country. Everybody's now is just looking to sue everybody for everything. What are your thoughts on this, Jay? I mean, I'm kind of with you. I mean, you're not going to get a disagreement from me. Like, I don't understand. You know, like you said, the guy has been basically become famous because of this. And now all of a sudden he wants to sue. Like, where did this come from? Like, even like, you know, like you said, I, a couple of years ago when he was in the photo as an adult, yeah, he did that three times, five years apart each time. Well, he recreated I mean. the photo three different times. But, but then now all of a sudden it's an issue. But I, I get that people have like, yeah, issues or, you know, maybe they kind of, you know, feel maybe they have, a, okay, maybe he has a mental issue. That, and I get, I can understand that. We all understand that. But 
to all of a sudden come out now and want to make money. And, and basically, like you said, I don't know how a lawyer is trying to say that all of a sudden, if that was the case, why didn't 30 years ago, you know, someone say, oh, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Well, because there was nothing illegal about it. There was nothing sec there was nothing sexually suggestive in the photo. I mean, I'm And assuming... like I said, he had no problem with it. He did plenty of interviews holding the album cover and and using anything he could get out of that notoriety for having been that baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy. I'm assuming uh, that the parents, you know, obviously knew about it, right? I mean, they had to sign a waiver. Well, no, the parents apparently were at a party or something. I mean, it the, the, the I mean, the story behind it is that they were at a party, the picture was taken, the next thing you know, baby's on the album cover. But nobody had a problem with it, ever. They, and like I said, the dude on the photo himself, he never had a problem with it. He recreated the photo three different times, five years apart, 15th anniversary of the record, 20th, 25th, etc. He's done plenty of interviews. I'm, I'm, obviously, they were compensated, whatever it is. So you, now, out of nowhere, he's got a problem with it. He's issue? filing a lawsuit. What's what that? What is the issue then? Like, why? What? Why out of nowhere? Like Wait. I said, he, he's saying that now all of a sudden the picture is sexually suggestive because there's a dollar in it. Dude, I, I already told you why. Because he's trying to get money. People nowadays see they can get a dollar out of anything and they'll try to get it. I mean, that's the bottom line. There, there is no reason. There is no reason. Except the fact that he's trying to it's try, he's trying to make a quick buck. It's a terrible look. It's a bad look, bro. I, I mean, I, it's a disgrace to me. I mean, you know, 30-some years later, like, come on, man. What are we doing? Like you said, what have we become as a country that people want to sue for everything? Yeah, dude. And like I said, I'd actually maybe respect it if he was simply suing because he thought he wasn't compensated enough. Because he's the image on there. And he's a, he was a baby. Hey, I want more money. You guys made millions and millions of dollars off of my image. I'd actually respect him if that was what he came out with. And, and you know, maybe they would have even compensated him without having to go to trial. I don't know. But I'm right. simply saying to come right. out of nowhere after, like, milking the photo for everything it was worth for your 15 minutes of fame. Well, 30 years of fame. Let's, you know, honestly, again, continuing. I mean, seriously, bro. It, and not to mention, it's an iconic album cover. It's iconic. What is this album cover going to be banned out there? I'm, retroactively, 30 years later, they're going to ban the Nevermind cover? Think about it. I mean, I... You know, it's... um. Did I lose you? I'm here. I hear you. No, you made a good point that, you know, maybe if he was honest about it and said that he wanted more money, it would be more respectable. Yeah. The fact and that I just I was just thinking of something. Dude, if we're going to get into this about this album cover, which is completely innocent, think of the Scorpions album covers. Uh, dude, the Scorpions. Oh, my goodness. They had some of the most sexually suggestive, inappropriate album covers of all time. I mean, bordering on child pornography. I'm trying to think. What was the album with the young girl on it, Nude? What album had that album cover? Oh, give me one sec, Jay. I, I got to look it up. I mean, I mean, seriously, I'm just saying. I'm not saying that that's okay. Oh, is it Virgin Killer? The Scorpions album Virgin Killer. I couldn't remember the name of the record. Their 1976 album. 
Dude, it has a prepubescent naked girl on it. <laughs> what? Why are we not going after that album cover? Which realistically we should. I mean, that's think of the and we're going after the Nirvana album cover. Dude, it's it's ridiculous. Every Scorpions album cover back in the day was very controversial. Remember the Love Drive album album cover with the girl with her boob out, and the guy the guy had his chewing gum stuck to her nipple, and he was like pulling the hand away, and the gum stretches off. These were in record stores. These yeah, were in record I, stores. I mean, like you said, I'm just kind of surprised that this hasn't come up before. Before this time. Well, because if he had a problem with it, he would have brought it up, I feel like. I mean, it's not like he just became old enough to acknowledge what it is. He's 30. He recreated it at 25. He recreated it at 20. At 15, he recreated the photo. It's kind of fishy to me. It seems like someone's putting something in his head. No, I just think he wants to make money. He wants he knows because realistically, he's probably going to get a settlement. There's no way around it. It's just it's just a bad look. And the precedent has been set in this country that you basically could sue everybody for anything. There's no shame. Nobody's got any shame anymore. You know? Anyway, that's my two cents on that, brother. Well, I mean, uh, I, I agree. I think it's a disgrace that we're even talking about it. Because like you say, it's not like this guy, you know, wasn't profiting off of it. He, like you said, he became... And he embraced it. It's, it's, it. it's not even about... to me. Forget the profit aspect for a minute. You Let's just say he didn't profit off of it. And he wanted now to say, hey, you've profited off of my image. I'm going to sue you because I should be compensated for that. I could understand that. And Forget the that. profit aspect. Forget the profit aspect. I could understand that. But don't embrace the photo for 30 years of your life. And then now... It's not even like somebody that was maybe a rape victim that kept it secret for fear of retribution or fear of embarrassment. That's a difference. This is some guy that was holding the album cover up, milking it for everything that it was worth, doing interviews with this magazine, that magazine, Rolling Stone, Circus, that, whatever, recreating the photo. And then all of a sudden saying, hey, it's sexually exploitive. What? That's the problem I have. Well, did you That's see the problem I have. Well, and he, 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 in a recent interview, he said that he, he feels some kind of way when he goes to a baseball game because he thinks people are going to recognize that's the Nobody guy. Nobody would even know who the hell he is. Exactly. Who's going to know? I mean, it was a baby. And, and unless he told him. And then guess what, dude? I'm sure all of us have pictures floating around in our family archives of our baby little peckers exposed. Yeah, right? This is Think just, about it. I mean, it's Everybody's got a little picture when they're an infant in the bathtub. What? It's mind-boggling that we're even having this conversation. It's, it's insane. It's literally <laughs> insanity, bro. And his lawyer, to milk it, to make a lawsuit, is saying because of the dollar bill in the pool, and he's like fishing for it, that that makes it sexually exploitive, like he's being sold for sex. No. It's just an artful statement. There's <laughs> We're chasing the dollar. Whatever you want to take it as. From birth, we're, that's how I interpreted the photo. Maybe somebody else can interpret it a different way, but not in any sexually suggestive or or exploitive way, you know. Phil checking uh, in. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Phil, for checking in. And guess what? He's right. Because of the way of the world, he will get paid, right, wrong, or indifferent. It won't even go to trial. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, the hundred and fifty thousand dollars from each one of the individuals named in the lawsuit is a drop in the bucket. I mean, Dave Grohl, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know, he could throw a party that costs 150000 
So it's not about that they're going to be broke because of the lawsuit. It's the principle of it. It's the principle of it. And you could have just said, you could have followed a, a lawsuit and say, hey, you owe me this because you made money off of me. Stop with the sexual, because now all you're doing is you're dragging people's names through the mud. And what are we going to ban the album cover now? Come on. Yeah, I would love to see that too. I would love to see that too. Beard the Knowledge checking in. That would uh, be on BSM Media. And he's saying, I would love, in case you're just hearing us on Spotify or something, you're not watching us live. He's saying he would love to see them take him to court and Nirvana wins. And I agree 100%. 100%. But you know what? Probably not going to happen. It's probably going to be a settlement. It's just disgusting. It's just way. The, it's the it's the way of the world. Me too. Me too. No longer means me too. I was raped. Me too. I suffered at the hands of Harvey Weinstein. Now it just means me too. I want money too. Me too. Me too. Where's the money? Me too. Can I have some? Me too. Follow the stories now. That's what it means, brother. That's it. Anyway, dude. I know there's something you wanted to get into tonight. Yeah. Miguel Cabrera is 500th home run. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we, we talked last week about how Otani's not getting enough uh, enough love in you know in the media as far as what he's doing this in you know in one season, and I I, I firmly believe with Miguel Cabrera, part of the problem lies with the fact that. A, he's been on the Detroit Tigers, who have been such a bad team for the last seven to eight years. Yeah, and part of that, he was on the Marlins, who even though they won a World Series, they're still the Marlins. (laughs) Exactly. So I I think, unfortunately for Miguel Cabrera, he kind of has always kind of flown under the radar. But I I guess, you know, my point that I'm making is, is here's a guy. Okay, so he just became the 28th baseball player in history to hit 500 home runs. Now, 28 players is not a huge number compared to all the players that have come through. As much as the home run has become, you know, kind of more prevalent in that steroid era, let, no, let's face it. No, I, I agree. Right now, there's 28 guys out of thousands upon thousands of people that have played in major leagues in the last 150 years. Correct. So, to me, that's, that in itself speaks volumes about the guy. Okay. Then when you go even deeper with it, He's only the ninth player out of those, out of the twenty-eight, to have hit five hundred home runs and have a career average of over three hundred, which is you know when you have that kind of type of player, that's saying something about who they are not only as a power hitter but that they, they can actually, you know, hit the ball. You know they can hit line drives and, and it's not just about home runs. And this guy. Like I said, he's became only the ninth player to do that. So here's the guys on that list. Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Jimmy Fox, Frank Thomas, Mel Ott, Manny Ramirez, Ted Williams, and Willie Mays. I mean, you're talking every single one of those guys is a Hall of Famer. So obviously, you know, this is huge. Let's go even further. Two-time MVP. Four batting titles. And he's the first and only triple crown winner in the divisional era. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking impressive. He was in 2012, he became the first triple crown winner since Carl Yastrzemski, 45 years earlier. I mean, that's. And nobody's that's done it me, since. Nobody's done it since. That doesn't tell you how good of a player this guy is. Then I don't know what to tell you. And I guess 
the the other thing that's crazy about it is that the last four years, not only has he played on a bad team, but he's he's pretty much been relegated to he hasn't even played in half of the games in the four year span. And I know that you don't like to get into that that subject about well, you know, a guy, you know, guy had injuries, what would he have done? But I guess my hypothetical is is that he's already has Hall of Fame numbers. Could you just imagine if he had been healthy in just two of those four seasons? The the numbers where we'd be talking right now as far as, you know, all the other statistics, the home runs, the RBIs, the runs scored. And I mean, let's face it, you know this guy's going to end up with 3000 hits. Oh, he's he's going to get his 3000th hit this year if everything goes well. So I mean, he's like 40, 42 hits away or something like that. I, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I've kind of went into the numbers. Like, you know, tell me what you think of when you think of Miguel Cabrera. I mean, I think he's an amazing player. I think just diving a little deeper into the numbers. I mean, see, it doesn't bother me as far as the the last two, two to four years, him having played only half the games. I mean, because first of all, last year was a COVID season. So that's the same for everybody. And he is age 38. So, I mean, most guys are breaking down. So I don't, I mean, it wouldn't be, it, it's not like in his prime, he played half the games. This is the end of his career. So I'm going to throw that out the window. But I think one of the interesting things about Miguel Cabrera is, you know, toward the second half of his career, his strikeouts actually went way down where he was having like 600 at bats and striking out less than a hundred times in a season. For a power hitter in the modern era, that's amazing. I mean, in recent seasons, his strikeouts have ticked back up, but that's because his bat has slowed. He's an older player. He's not hitting 330 anymore. Um, Phil over here is asking, is Cabrera a top 25 player all time? His stats are pretty damn close. Look, I love Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera, but that I'm going to say no. And it's not a knock on him. I'm going to say no. I just think he, does, he, he doesn't have the speed. Um, I think, it's a, I I think, think he's, a, he's an awesome player. He's an awesome player. I think when you're talking top 25, you, that's pushing a hard envelope. We, we could do a whole show on that. But I, I think it's show. a legit conversation. I, I mean, maybe he's not. But, I mean, two-time MVP, four batting titles, as I said, uh, won a World Series, and the Triple Crown. I mean, that, that in itself right there. He's an amazing player. He's an amazing player. I'd have to process it more to answer something like that where I'd probably rank him. I, I, I don't see him top 25, but, I mean, that's not a knock on the guy, dude. The fact no, that we can uh, even ask the question, the fact that we can even ask the question is a tribute to how great he is. Well, it, it's funny. Whether because, or not he is. Well, I, I think that we both or all three of us probably, you know, uh, Phil would probably agree too, that between Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols, we've had two of the – Maybe top fifty players of all time. I think you definitely could make that conversation. Yeah. I, I, okay. Since you brought Pujols up, Pujols I think has a stronger argument, and that's I, I, and I'm only saying that because if I take Pujols's ten years in St. Louis, I rank. I hold on. Jason's stats make it yes. I say no, but definitely top fifty. Okay. I mean, like I said, the well, fact no, we're even asking the question is a tribute to the greatness of these players. But Pujols, to me, I think you could make a real argument top twenty-five. I mean. You look at his 10 years in St. Louis, he was as great of a hitter as there ever was. I mean, he left St. Louis with something like a 330 career batting average. With, I'd have to look, but I'm going to say he probably had about 400 home runs. I mean, he was averaging about 35 to 40 home runs a year in St. Louis. He was averaging 200 hits a year in St. Louis. For a 10-year period, Pujols was like a 330 guy, 200 hits. 50 strikeouts in like 600 at bats. I mean, that's another thing about Pujols. 
for all Miguel Cabrera's greatness, like I already pointed out, Miguel Cabrera is a guy that'll strike out 127 times in a full season. Pujols was a guy that struck out almost Tony Gwynn level. I mean, the guy did not strike out. 40 home runs, 130 RBIs, 330 batting average, 210 hits, five, six stolen bases, and 52 strikeouts. That's a typical Pujol season in his prime. So, I mean, I think he's got a stronger argument. But again, we're talking two amazing players that we got to watch um, in this generation. So, you know, congrats to Miguel Cabrera. Well, yeah, and, you know, I'm a good list guy. So, like I said, I think both of those guys would definitely crack top 50 of all. But you could definitely make the argument. I, I think it's something we could get so deep into. And then you could also get in, are we putting pitchers in there? You know what I mean? Because we're putting pitchers in there. Now it's a whole different animal. Well, now that now that we kind of brought it up on the show, I'm actually going to write an article and I'm going to do a deep dive. So, all right, we'll look forward to, to that. that. We'll look forward. Check out our blog on sportsandmetal.com. www.sportsandmetal.com. Look for Jay's blog. Selfish plug. <laughs> anyway, what do you got next for us, Jay? Uh, the NFL. So, what are your thoughts uh, so far? With you know, obviously. You know, I'm an Eagles fan. Why, why don't you give me your thoughts on how Miami's been in preseason? I don't know well, if you've even watched or have you even checked in. You know, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm in a weird spot right now, dude. Like, normally, I, I don't really get much into the preseason. I um just we're, I just make want to make sure my guys are healthy. I kind of just, like, after the fact, maybe look at some highlights. You know, read how guys that you're looking to perform a certain way, if they met those expectations. And, you know, that being said, I'm I'm very pleased so far. I mean, I've heard great things. I've seen some great highlights of Tua. You know, the Dolphins are looking to throw the deep ball a lot this morning. Everybody knows I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. I, I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how the, the Dolphins look. And I'm really looking forward to the season. Now, I know this is an NFL segment, but normally I'm like full-fledged baseball right now until football starts. And then I always look forward to the possibility of Mets playoffs while I have NFL and then I have like a perfect situation. And that's what I was kind of thinking this year with the Mets, who were first all year, but now they're seven games back. That's a whole different conversation, but ultimate tank job by the Mets. So speaking of the NFL, I'm extra pumped because the Mets suck. <laughs> well, we could talk about baseball a little bit. Because... We're talking NFL, and I just told you I'm in NFL mode because the Mets are done. Stick a fork in them. And as far as my Dolphins go, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. What about you, dude? Well, I mean, you know, I've done a lot of fantasy drafts. I actually was just involved in one while we're doing the show. So I ended up putting it to auto picks. But, you know, I obviously follow a lot, you know, in the offseason. And, you know, I'm a huge fantasy guy. So, you know, obviously fantasy football is a little different than the actual real life football. But it still makes it fun. And it, it does kind of get you, you know, to observe all the players and, you know, where they went and the injury situations and whatnot. But I mean, if you, if you want my opinions, I, you know, obviously I'm not big on the preseason. I'm one of these guys that, you know, I'll say it and I'll say it again. I mean, the Eagles, the years that they've, you know, they've had years where they were four and zero in the preseason and looked like lights out and then ended up, you know, having a terrible year. Yeah, I mean, the preseason is just a matter of keeping your guys healthy you know, getting a read on the rookies or the guys that you're looking to take the next step. I mean, to me, that's all I care about. I mean, your, your starters are usually in there for a quarter and then they're out, if that. So it's to me, it's just a matter of like, is my team preparing the way I want? How does X player look that I'm looking to make a next step? 
who's going to be a starting quarterback, blah, 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 shit like that. I'm not looking for wins, losses in the preseason, you know, which basically you just said. So I'm with you. Yeah, but how do you feel yeah. about the Eagles, dude? Well, that, that, that's kind of where I was going with it. Like, I've heard a lot of flack and a lot of people upset about the Eagles. And, you know, obviously they lost to the Patriots in last week's, uh, you know, I guess it was preseason game number two. They lost 35 nothing. I guess you saw that. <laughs> yep. So while I will say that preseason means nothing, 35 nothing's a whoop ass. <laughs> to lose 35 nothing is pretty, pretty. No, that's that's not that. I agree there. I agree there. So I can understand the Eagles fans' anger and frustration with this team because, honest to God, obviously coming into this year, you know, any, any realist isn't looking at this team and saying, oh, the Eagles are going to, you know, vie for a Super Bowl. I mean, let, let's face it. The Eagles, honestly, if, if you look at the Eagles and Dolphins, the Eagles are a lot lower than the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins have – the Dolphins are ready to compete, I believe. Oh, I, I, I would – if I put it this way. As a Dolphin fan, if they weren't, I mean, it's a failure. Well, I mean, the Dolphins should be competing with the Bills for that division. Dolphins right. should be – the Dolphins' goal now, to me, should be next couple of years Super Bowl. I mean, well, if not, that, what are we I, doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, so that – and, I mean, that's my kind of my point. So, obviously – they're kind of in two different levels of, of where they're at. I mean, of like, yeah, of where they're at. Yes. The Eagles, yeah. the Eagles, let's face it. I mean, okay. So we're moving on for Carson Wentz. So this year is basically find out is Jalen hurts. Your guy is Jalen hurts, you know, going to be capable of leading this team long-term, you know, not just this year. So what I'm looking for is improvement. I'm looking for Jalen hurts to show, that he's capable of running an offense, that he's capable of, of making, you know, NFL style passing, you know, that he's capable of reading a defense, you know, that he's not just, you know, going to be this guy. Like to me, a lot of people say, Oh, you know, when they do a comp, they, they kind of compare Jalen hurts to, you know, Russell Wilson without an arm. So to me, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's easy to sit there and say, well, the guy doesn't have arm strength, but he's shown that he can throw a deep pass. I mean, so I don't think it's necessarily, you know, a negative to say that he's a Russell Wilson without an arm, because let's face it, Russell Wilson had to start somewhere too. Russell Wilson was also what? A lower round pick. He wasn't a first round, you know, surefire guy. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of teams passed on Russell Wilson, and look at him. I mean, I hey, know pick of the guys played. who went ahead of Russell Wilson. Luck was number one. RG three was number two. Tannehill was number five. You know, Russell Wilson was picked late behind all those guys. So, yeah. Yeah, so I guess the point I'm making is, is I'm excited to see Jalen Hurts grow. Obviously, as an Eagles fan, I'm excited about Devonta Smith because I believe that you know he's the best receiver out of the class, even though. You know, a lot of people had Jamar Chase rated as the number one. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not knocking the guy that the Dolphins took. I think the Dolphins took the guy that fit their system more so. Than I, 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 I would have been happy with either one. I'm a huge fan of both players, Devontae so, Smith and Jalen Waddle. Well, and that's my point. But I'm just saying I, I, I firmly believe that Devonta Smith is, is kind of a generational type guy. And I know that a lot of times they say, oh, well, people that win the Heisman don't succeed in the NFL. That's not so – that, that's not always true. Well, the big knock on Devontae Smith was his size. Okay. So we'll see. 
And, and you're right. I'm a huge Devontae Smith fan. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is that you have like world-class Hall of Fame receivers saying that Devonta Smith has some of the best route running ability as a rookie, which is scary because, I mean, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say, oh, he's the next Jerry Rice. I mean, obviously Jerry Rice was Jerry Rice, but my point is I'm excited to see this guy. So, you know, that's two things I'm looking at. I think the other thing it comes, you know, when it comes to the Eagles is their defense. Um, you know, they obviously uh, shored up their cornerback uh, two position, which was their biggest hole coming into the year. Uh, now, uh, we'll see what Steven Nelson has to offer. I mean, he's not, it's not like he's like another Darius Slay, but you added a complimentary guy that can, you know, let's face it with the Eagles, their defense, the Achilles heel was their secondary because they, you know, they're always giving up you know, 40 yard bombs and they couldn't tackle. So, you know, those are the three areas that I'm kind of really looking forward to as an Eagles fan. And, you know, as an outsider, I'm excited for you and for the Miami Dolphins because, you know, I've got a lot of flack because I'm kind of high on Tua, but I think Tua, I think Tua is one of those guys that has the skill. It's just a matter of, I think that injury that he had was a pretty serious injury. And a lot of times that's a confidence thing more than anything, more than the actual physical uh, injury. So, well, I mean, think of this too. I mean, I was really down on Tua last year, but in fairness, you have to realize he basically hadn't played in two years, kind of got into the games mid season. And I mean, he's looked like a different player this, this summer, you know, in the preseason games. I mean, he, he basically acknowledged it, you know, he didn't really know the playbook last year, so time will tell. But anyway, let's not bore everybody with just Phillies. I mean, with just Eagles, Dolphins. Let's spread our wings a little bit because this is sports and metal. <laughs> not a Dolphins Eagles show. What do you think, o Odell Beckham Jr.? Do you expect a big comeback season from him this year? Odell Beckham, I actually do. I, I believe Odell Beckham is one of those wide receivers that you know a lot of people say he's overrated. Um, you know, I hear I'm that. one of them. I hear that talk a lot. Uh, I know that the guy that's in the wide receiver room next to him, Jarvis Landry, he, I would consider him probably one of the most underrated receivers. So it's funny, it's funny that the Cleveland Browns have two different dynamics there. Like you have a guy that a lot most people say is overrated, and then that other receiver that's probably the most underrated. So yeah, And they were teammates at LSU. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's a good – honestly, it's a good question. Can he stay healthy this year? I think obviously he, you know, last year it was unfortunate because before he got hurt, he had that monster game. Remember, he went, yeah. he had like 150 yards. I think he scored a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. He, yeah. he kind of went off, and then uh, you know the next game he got hurt. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to say that somebody's overrated when they're kind of. Maybe it's better to say he's injury prone. I. No, yeah, I know. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a little. I do think he's overrated. I'll tell you why. I think he came when he came up with the Giants. He did come like a house of fire, just dominated the league. He set an expectation that he never came close to matching since. Now, you could make the argument that that's not fair because he set the bar so high as a rookie. But I mean, nobody I necessarily would have said, "Hey, you have to have this kind of game every game." Just be consistent. See. It's even when he was healthy, his first year in Cleveland, he was invisible. I mean, 
especially when you have so much talent around you, you would expect him. You would have expected him to have a bigger year. It wasn't like he was the only receiver there. So like they're going to double cover this guy all day. I mean, you had Landry. You had other guys there. It's it, it's it's a mind boggle to me. Like Landry became like Baker Mayfield's comfort zone. Like everything was going to Landry that first year. The two of them were there together, and it was real disappointing for Beckham. And then you add to the fact that he is injury prone. That's to me what separates Landry from Beckham as far as Landry's money. Every single week he's going to be in the lineup. Every week he doesn't. Last season he had to miss for COVID. I believe that was the first game he ever missed in his career. He had like one of those Eli Manning type type streaks of like never missing a game, which is for a wide receiver impressive. You know, guys take beating at the wide receiver position. Whereas Beckham, I mean, geez, God, you got to write wrap him in bubble wrap every time, every time out. He's he is he is the Carson Wentz of wide receivers. He's always hurt. He's always hurt. He shows you flashes, but he's always hurt. And on top of that, he's a cancer. He's always like a me too guy. Me too. Me too. Antics in, on the sidelines, antics in the end zone. I mean, he basically bad-mouthed Eli Manning on the way out. So I'm not a huge fan. I do think he's overrated. That being said, I do think he's going to have a pretty big year. For some reason, I just think he's due to have a big comeback year. So Tom will tell. We'll see. One more thing I wanted to get into before we you know switch gears here. Did you hear about Dwayne Haskins? No. Well, you know he's with the Steelers now. He was in the, it was in the papers quoting saying, you know, this is the first time in his career – like he's he's been playing really well, you know, in the preseason for Pittsburgh, and he was quoted as saying, "This is the first time in his career that he has a coach, you know, in Mike Tomlin that prepares him for the opponent." And I'm thinking, what what did they do in Washington? They, they didn't they didn't prepare you for the opponent? They didn't show you video? Anyway, I, I just thought it was funny. That's all. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I've never been a huge. Dwayne Haskins fan. I, yeah, I, I just can't believe he would even say that. Talk about somebody that I think is kind of overrated. I mean, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Anyway, brother, you want to get into the picks of the week? Oh hell yeah, man! And I know you have a big one, so why don't you start us off? Ooh, I do. What makes you think that? Because <laughs> I know you. <laughs> now, actually, I'm afraid I'm going to alienate our our audience. But I guess after we uh, aired the new intro today, featuring music by Eminem. I shouldn't worry so much about alienating the audience because if we were going to do that, we already did since this is a sports and metal show and we had Eminem in the opener, but it was awesome. But now it's I'm going on that note. I might alienate our audience, bro. So my pick of the week comes from a band that, uh, you know, achieved big popularity in the mid-90s. Um, but I'm going to tie them to metal a little bit, you know, because they're not a metal band as far, as far as, like, how they're known. They're not at all really a metal band. More like a pop-punk band. But... They did, you know, play in L.A. at at the Troubadour and stuff like that in the late 80s in their original incarnation. Um, Their original lead vocalist, Derek Johnson, I'm tying it to metal again. Their original lead vocalist, Derek Johnson, uh, was killed at the Station Nightclub fire. He was there to see Great White. So I'm I'm just trying to because they're not really a metal band. So in their early days, they were known as Straight Lace. Um. Derek Johnson was their singer at that time. They played the Troubadour in the 80s, like 88, 87. Derek Johnson died at the nightclub station fire. Uh, They later changed their name to Razzle, and they were a pop metal band. Their drummer, AJ Popoff, switched to lead vocals, and they changed their name to Lit. Lit. And you may remember Lit as being like the one-hit wonder 90s band. 
It's no surprise to me. I am my own whisper. Anyway, like I said, I'm going to alienate our audience using this as my pick of the week because it is sports and metal, and I'm not really being metal here. But I like all everybody knows me knows I like all kinds of music. I have guilty pleasures. I even like a lot of the pop punk. I like some country. I like classic rock. I love metal. I love hair metal. I, I even like Madonna. I mean, I like shit across the board. Even though I'm a metal guy, I like all kinds of music. So that being said, my pick of the week comes from Lit. But it's not what you would think. I just recently discovered, accidentally, just like perusing through YouTube, um, a new video that they had from their latest album that came out in 2017. The video was for a song called Good Problem to Have. And it was like the best like country rock song I maybe ever heard. I mean, it was it was really awesome. So I went and I, I went back and I realized they put out an album in 2017. I had no idea they even put out. The album was called These Are the Days. So the band is lit. The album is These Are the Days. And it's basically it sounds nothing like the stuff that you would have expected from them in the mid 90s when they were doing the pop punk stuff. It's like country rock and it's it's good. It's 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 not like some band trying to do it. It sounds a thousand times better to me than when Bon Jovi did their country shit, which I couldn't stand. I mean, Bon Jovi went from being a band that I absolutely loved in their heyday to a band I can't even listen to now with all their adult contemporary country rock stuff. But this lit record, I fucking love it, dude. It's it's hooky. It still has a rock element to it. I mean, and the vocals are just not that immature pop punk style that they had in the mid 90s. It's it's a great record. I mean, I, I there's a number of songs on here that I like. Like I said, I love Good Problem to Have. I saw another video for a song called Fast. Um, which is another standout track on the record. Um, like I said, top to bottom, I enjoyed it. So that's going to be my pick of the week. I, I definitely recommend, even just as a curiosity, if you're familiar with Lit and what they were in the mid-90s, even if it's just as a curiosity, check this record out because you're going to be surprised. The album is called These Are the Days, The Band's Lit, and it came out in 2017. That is my pick of the week. What do you got, Jay? Bro, you surprised me again. <laughs> I tried. I mean, let's face it. We always say I'm the heavy guy. Well, so, see, you you say that, but that's unfair because I'm the heavy guy too. Like I love heavy. I mean, but I just I like a lot of stuff. I just don't like Cookie Monster vocals. I'm like Eddie Trunk. You know, I don't like the Cookie Monster vocals. But I, I I'm more into like the the uh, the '90s hardcore stuff, like Life of Agony. So I'm I'm not not heavy, but you know what I know what you mean. I, I, what I'm saying is. is yeah. Like you said, I'm not a huge Stones guy. Like, not that I... Yeah, I'm more like the sleaze rock. I yeah. don't disrespect the Rolling Stones, let's face it. And, and we didn't really talk about it enough, like, I, you know, earlier in the show. But, you know, Charlie Watts is probably one of the most underrated uh, people in the band. Because, you know, obviously, Keith Richards always gets all the... All the Charlie Watts is the metronome, man. I mean, yeah. and, and like you said, a lot of bands, even heavy bands, kind of have their... You know, if you, if you look at their, you know, the beginnings, they have the Rolling Stones as their influence. Oh. Even the heavy band. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, with that being said, I'm actually repping my pick of the week. Well, it's not Master of Puppets. That is my favorite Metallica album. Put the wrong way. There you go. <laughs> now, I know. It's it's hard when you're on screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my pick of the week is actually not out yet. But it will be September 10th. Um, actually, some of the tracks have dropped, and it's Metallica's The Blacklist. 
Now you had talked about this earlier in 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 I think. Yeah, I think we talked. Show. I talked about it on a couple episodes. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not sure. If you, I don't think you did it as a pick of the week. You, I think I might have, but that's okay. Rock on, rock on. But, I just thought that, you know, it's coming up September 10th, right around yeah. the corner. No better time and to bring it up than now. I think, obviously, it's it's a bunch of bands coming together and playing their style of Metallica. And I've heard some of the songs. It's actually pretty cool, man. There's some songs that, like, they don't even, they're not, like, super heavy. But it's, the it's basically every, a bunch of bands. I think it's, like, 30 bands. It's all different styles of music. I mean, there's like classical artists, pop artists, Spanish yeah. artists. Well, so you know, they had Weezer did an album. Now, obviously, Weezer, uh, you know, they just played in Philly uh, two weeks ago. Weezer but, did one of those tracks on there. What track did they do? Uh, Weezer did Enter Sandman. I didn't even know that. Uh, there's um, a, a band called Wands who did Enter Sandman. Yeah, there's so many versions. Rina Salina, who's done Enter Sandman. And then... Uh, sad but true. You have Sam Fender, um, Jason Isbell, and the 400 unit. Some of these bands I've never heard of, so I think it's cool that it's not just like known bands, it's bands that maybe like need some notoriety. And Metallica kind of, and, and I just, just think it's cool that bands from so many different genres are showing their respect to I Metallica. Mean, some of the more popular stuff, Miley Cyrus, I know, did Nothing Else Matters. I heard. Yeah, Miley what did you think Cyrus, of Volbeat's cover? What did you think of Volbeat's cover of Don't Tread on Me? I think it's freaking awesome. I love Volbeat. You know me, I'm a huge Volbeat fan, and uh, they really did it good, you know, did it justice. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Miley Cyrus actually plays with Elton John. Yeah, I knew that. And, and a rapper, I think. Matters. Um, Chris Stapleton did a Nothing Else Matters. Um, good Night, Texas, of Wolf and Man. That's actually... Of Wolf and Man and My uh, my Friend of Misery are my two favorite songs on that album. Dude, I'm with you. I think The Struggle Within for me, too. Those, if I'm going to give you my nice. favorite Black Album tracks, Jay, I think you're going to be on the same page as me. I'm going to go right now. I'm going to go My Friend of Misery. I'm going to go Of Wolf and Man. I'm going to say Struggle Within, Holier Than Thou, Dude, Through the Never. The second half of the album. It's the, the, like the, yeah, I mean, I think Holier Than Now is like the third, second well, or third Holier track. Than Now is the third, but I'm saying. Exactly. But it's just, it's not one of the songs that was played the fuck out. You know, it's because awesome. The reason is. is and they're heavy. Well, the reason is, is because you and I always like the deep cuts. Like, that's what these, these tracks are. But they're the tracks that actually are the best tracks on the album. Yeah, like, yeah. And my friend of Misery, Misery was Jason Newstead's chance to shine. I mean, that, uh, that, oh my god, dude! The deep, talk about one awesome. of their darkest songs, like absolutely and lyrically, I mean, lyrically. Metallica is very heavy, but that album, like like you said, that was kind of a game changer for obviously for them. I mean, for their fame. But yeah. I mean, I think this is an awesome opportunity. Uh, you know, bringing an album out that they're not kind of, you know, just renewing the album or remastering it. They're actually having bands play their own style. I think that's cool, honestly. So I'm with that, you 100%. That's my pick of the week. Metallica, The Blacklist. It's out in two weeks. Awesome. So I love your pick, dude. Anyway, I just want to thank everybody again out there for watching. Make sure you check out LaTerrain.com, LaTerrain Watches. You go to their website. Use promo code SNM at checkout. You're going to save 10% off your purchase. That is L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. That is their website. Go there. Promo code SNM, 10% off. You tell them Sports and Metal sent you, and you're going to love these watches. Make sure you check them out. 
Anyway, as always, thank you for checking in. This is Aaron Savage. Rock on, Jason Voorhees. Peace out. Ah, that's it. Take it easy. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more Sports and Metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah. Got something to say? Hit us up at Sports and Metal 0423 at Yahoo.com or on Twitter at Sports and Metal.